welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like growing up surrounded by music. For those of you who are taking this journey with us for the first time, we're speaking with musicians whose parents made a name for themselves in the music business. We'll see how they caught the music bug themselves and ultimately what inspired them to continue the family legacy and pursue their own musical journeys. I'm Robert K. Orman, and I'm joined by my producer, Brad Newman. Hey, Brad. Hey, Robert. We're in for a treat this morning. <laughs> Brad's here to help me on this little journey and make sure we stay on track. And we're joined by the great Jamie Pfeffer, our engineer. Let's hear it. <laughs> in what we're calling our Nashville sessions, we're uh, outside of Nashville in a neighborhood called Bale Mead, and the beautiful home of Vince Gill, who lives here with his wife, Amy Grant. And Vince, as you may or may not know, is a very avid golfer, so much so that there's a putting green right on the lawn. (laughs) Vince is known for hits like Go Rest High on That Mountain, Whenever You Come Around, I Still Believe in You, and a billion more. He's a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame. And his talented daughter, Jenny Gill, is with us, who has just released her new EP, The House Sessions. And Jenny is a child of song on both sides, since her mother is Janice Oliver, who sings with Sweethearts of the Rodeo. Thank you guys for being with us today so much. It's going to be a fun day, I can tell already. <laughs> Good to see you, Robert. Vinny, you were a child of song yourself, and you started playing quite young. Tell me about that Christmas when you when you got your first guitar. Well, that was uh, when I was 10 years old. I got um, my first guitar that was mine. Uh, for many years before that, I, I played my father's instruments. He had two or three instruments. and One was a tenor guitar, which only has the first four strings. Mm-hmm. And my little hands could uh, get on there and make chords. And I have a, um, I'd love telling this story. When I was probably about maybe two years old, I was sleeping on the couch face down and I had my arm around a guitar. You know, so I, I was always meant to play and, and played forever. Funny that the best part about that picture is I was wearing a dress, but that's another show we'll do later. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just started playing as soon as I could and I was just always drawn to the sound of music for some reason. And and then when I was 10, I got this Red Gibson ES-335 that was my own guitar, you know, and it was mine, and I could do with it what I wanted it and play it when I wanted it, and like I could with the others, but still it was... Was that like a real big deal, though? It that was you could, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That Christmas was still the best one I ever had. Yeah, I'll bet. And now we're surrounded by guitars, hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah. You lost a lot in, in, the, in the Nashville flood, did you not? Yeah, I did. I got I got hit pretty hard. Um, His guitars were stored in a storage facility that was quite near the Cumberland River, which flooded a few years ago. And bye bye guitars. Yeah, I know. The funny thing about that flood was, I never thought about the east side of the river. I only thought about downtown. And I said, Oh my God, Gruens is going to be in trouble. The Hall of Fame is going to be in trouble, and all these things. And then somebody calls and said, Oh, did you hear about sound check? And I go. Oh yeah, soundcheck being yeah, soundcheck being the storage too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said there's an east side to this river, isn't there? And it flooded too. So <laughs> dun dun dun. Wait, wait, everything for the novice ears out there. I mean, people might wonder why so many guitars. I, I saw you pick up a few this morning, and each one really does sound different because you started so young with a guitar. Were you almost a, addicted to that sort of sound and the different sounds? Yeah, well, I th- I feel like you know if you were a painter and you could only paint with one color, that wouldn't make a lot of sense. Same thing with guitars. They all sound different. You know, they can be the same year, same model, same make, everything, but they still sound different. And they have a, they have their own voice, and, and they're magical things. And I, I just always loved them so much. And I feel like, you know, almost like the guitar whisperer in that I rescue a lot of these guitars. Some of these are vintage. Uh, some a lot of, of them rarest. are vintage. Yeah. yeah, well, all of them. But, um, and, and so some of them are six-figure instruments. And... I just feel like that they deserve to have a musical life and not a, a shelf life of sitting behind a glass case somewhere where nobody can enjoy what they were meant to do. So. And when you listen to Vince Gill records, Vince plays lead on his records, and you, when you hear those records, these are these various guitars yeah. you will hear on the on the records. It's you were on stage quite early too. Was it like a thirteen year old or so? Or well, how did that happen? The very first time I played in front of anybody was in second grade at school. They let me come over and play in the school auditorium and. I knew I was destined to be a hillbilly singer because I sang The House of the Rising Sun. 
<laughs> Every second grader should know a good song about a house of ill repute, and exactly. that was me. So, you know, the, the die was cast, and away I went. But, yeah, I, my folks were, were really supportive of letting me go out and play beer joints at 15 years old. And and so, yeah, I, I've... Uh, what kind of stuff did you play back then? Was it... Uh, there's a little, you know, the, the earlier years where we played all the popular songs of the day, had a garage band that played rock and roll and, and I started playing some bluegrass around 15 years old and got into the acoustic world of music and, uh, still just had a heart for all of it. You know, I didn't, I never discriminated. I wasn't just going to be this kind of musician. Right. I loved it all. I heard you on stage, uh doing a guitar trio with Keith Urban and Chris Stapleton the other oh, day, and it yeah. was magic. It was, it was totally fun. magic. Play me a little bit of something about what you would have played as a teenager. What would you... Oh, gosh. Something in the way she moves. I learned all that stuff, and uh, I remember, I think, Let It Be. When I find myself, when I find myself in times of trouble... Love the Beatles, and that's the first time I ever slow danced with a girl, was to let it be, so I remember that. Um, <laughs> what about the first stuff you wrote? When did you start oh, writing? Oh, I never play that. <laughs> that's some hideous stuff. But, you know, the very first thing probably was Wildwood Flower. Wildwood Flower. You know, every, I can't, I don't know if you could find a, a guitar player of at least my generation and before that didn't. Learn Wildwood Flower from yeah, Mother Maybell. Yeah, we were out at John Carter Cash's this week, and he played it, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and Under the Double Eagle, you mm-hmm. know. All that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. We had we got to spend the night with uh, Roy Clark last night, and he would always play that one as a big featured mm-hmm. number. It's and, still in Willie Nelson's set. Willie, it, Willie's really, band still, still plays play it. it? Mm-hmm. That's cool. Jenny, what was it like growing up around this guy? I mean, he, here's a Country Music Hall of Fame member, one of the best guitar players in the world, this incredible writer, artist, person. And were you, was he just dad or was he like, oh my God, I'm, I'm Vince Gill's daughter? <laughs> it was totally normal. Nothing weird at all. No. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like a real normal kid. Um, we didn't, we didn't live in a ginormous mansion. I went to public school. Um, I played in the neighborhood with the kids and, you know, would come home when it was dark because my mom was calling my name out the front door. I mean, it was, it was, I had a great childhood. I'm actually living in the house that I grew up in. Um, but, uh, the only thing that was, I guess, different about my upbringing is during, uh, summer breaks when everyone was not in school, I'd get to go out on the road with dad on the bus and, what was that like? Was that a real eye-opening it, experience? This is how Daddy makes a living. It it does. It wasn't really. It just it felt normal to me because it was always the way that it was. It, I, I don't really have a lot of memories of mom or dad n- not traveling or singing. It's just the way. It's just what they did, and it just felt like a fun summer vacation. Uh, dad would always pick. Um, uh, when he was going to be at a state fair or something, he'd say, Jenny, come on the bus for a week. And, and I got to ride on all the roller coasters while, while he worked. It was awesome. <laughs> what did you think of his music? Uh, when did the, the music start to, you know, that bug start to bite you? The music, really, Dad's music felt very familiar, but I don't remember, like, falling in love with music music until... Middle school. I remember when Cheryl Crow's first album came out, and everybody was flipping out about that. And it's so weird now because Cheryl Crow is actually singing on my EP, and it's it's just wild that I can even say That's that. Totally cool. <laughs> I know we were we were working on. You know uh, what the some, best thing is? She is so nice. She is. I mean, you think, oh, my God, it's Cheryl Crow, and then she turns out to be this really, really nice lady. <laughs> I, she really is. It, it was. She came over here to the house to hang out with Amy because they're buddies, and um, I totally just kind of butted in the middle of them and said, hey, would you rather work instead? And, just, <laughs> and <laughs> Amy Grant she, being your stepmom. Yes, and uh, Cheryl was so gracious, and so was Amy. Uh um, she came in here and worked and we were figuring out parts. I remember she just looked at me and she's like, what do you like? And 
I don't think I responded. I was just freaking no. out on the inside. Yeah, I, that's probably my response. Did Vince uh-huh. sing to you as, a, as a, when you were a kid, when you were a little girl? Oh yeah, there was there was music all over the house. They would, <laughs> we would. Um, I was a flute player in my um, middle school band. And I'd play these little harmonies on my flute, and Dad would accompany me on the guitar, and my mom would, you know, play a drum beat on something. And we did that kind of stuff all the time. But my fondest memories aren't necessarily of Dad singing. They're of his impressions and his voices that he would do. He would always take a... You did impressions. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. But he would take a... He would take my favorite stuffed animals and, like, give them, like, a real rough New York accent, you oh, know? We're going to have to hear some of this. <laughs> Joe Pesci at bedtime. <laughs> did he try to teach you to play yourself? I mean, we're surrounded by guitars here in Vince's studio. I mean, did he... Did you pick one up by your own, or did he put one in your hands and say, try this, or...? There was a minute there where I was interested in the guitar but um I asked he said what do you want you know tell me a song that you want to learn how to play and I remember saying I want to learn yesterday um and dad was like oh buddy that's not really uh man that's a a real difficult one (laughs) it's only because I didn't know it (laughs) I did too But the thing about, I think, me growing up, which differs from dad's childhood, is I had a lot of different interests. I would um, I would be musical for a minute, and then I'd be really sporty for a minute. I, I loved the hang uh, with my friends. Um, I wasn't always up in my bedroom trying to figure out song lyrics mm-hmm. or guitar chords. I was, um, so I wanted to totally be... totally in love with it totally immersed in it the way he had been as a kid not not um not as early as he was um but you were living I was right? yeah I was out and about <laughs> I'm I was I guess a little extrovert and I was on the swim team cheerleading I just I was always out and about hanging out with friends but um I went to a by the time I got to high school I got really involved in their in their drama program and their choir program and I acted in all the school plays. I think and Vince told me about this when you were a kid, yeah. I yeah. Remember, I remember this chapter. And <laughs> that's when um, I really started to become more interested in performing, right. just stage performing. Um, and then it just kind of evolved from that. College, I was in a, a funk band. and Did you have a favorite song of his that you liked? That when, I mean, were you aware of his hits and did you like some of them? I mean, I was I was aware of them. I just thought he was the best one that there was. I mean, in, of course, because he's my dad. And I remember, I remember being in school, and his first hit had come out when I call your name. And when I'd be sitting in school, and the teacher would be given some kind of a direction for us to do, and they'd say, "Okay, now when I call your name," and my little heart would just start like fluttering, like. Does anyone is, is everyone looking at me? And I'm like, no, no, they don't know, they don't care. And um, um, I love man. There's so much music that he's done. It's it's really hard to it's really hard to pick a favorite. I mean, can you sing when I call your name? Um, I can. Go for it. Um, Go for it. What would be a good key? There's not one. This might try this one. I rushed home, I rushed home from work Like I always do I spent my whole day just thinking of you When I walked through the front door My whole life was changed Nobody when I call your name. Nice. Well, better than I did it right there. <laughs> nice. Wrong one sang it. What kind of dad were you? Were you were, did you try to be hands-on? I mean, you were on the road, obviously, you know. Uh, you, did you try to make her a real priority as when she was a child? Uh, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> you did. You, know, you, you uh, sacrificed uh, your first time in the Grand Ole Opry Yeah, for I mean, I, you know, I think we all try to be better than we were treated. As as our parents, you know, and I wanted to be a good dad. I wasn't, 
uh, I said I love you all the time and just as tell normal. That, tell me that story about skipping the Opry in, in favor of her. Oh, well, <laughs> we were going to do, uh, she was the second grade you were in? For, I think first it was grade? first grade. At the Grassland Elementary School, they were having a big talent show. She came to me and she says, I want to be in the talent show at school. I said, well, what do you want to do? She said, I want to sing a song. Will you teach me a song? I said, okay. So we learned You Are My Sunshine. You know, I told you, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. And she got it, and we practiced, and we practiced, and we practiced, you know. And and my whole life, I'd always wanted to play the Opry. You know, any self-respecting hillbilly singer, that's Absolutely. that's the mecca, you mm-hmm. know. And so... Uh, that had never happened. I'd been invited a couple of times by other artists to come and play with them at the Opry. And I said, I'd rather not, only that in that the first time I play there, I want it to be me. Mm-hmm. You know, it means that much. So um, we're all ready for Saturday night, the talent show at school. We've made every, you have to make every rehearsal to be eligible to even stay in the, con- whatever, you know, and it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> All these rules for a talent show in first grade was, was staggering to me, but we, we made them all, you know. And then in the middle, we, they always booked the Opry kind of the week of, you know, especially back in those days. And this was in the late 80s, and, and uh, the phone rings, and I pick it up, and then I think it was Hal Durham from the Grand Old Opry, and he said, we've been watching your career, we love what you do, and we'd like to invite you out to play the Opry. I said, man, I've waited for this call my whole life. I said, thank you. I'd be glad to. I said, just tell me what weekend. He said, well, this weekend. I said, you mean this Saturday night? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, appreciate the call, but I'm already booked at the Grassland Elementary School. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't make it, you know. That's (laughs) something. That is really something. That is something. But it's just, you got to do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know. And so, uh, anyway, we, we went and did the talent show, and they invited me a few months later, and I got to go out there and. And I played When I Call Your Name, first song I played on that stage. I'd just written it, and it wasn't a hit. It wasn't successful. It just was a song I liked and um, all that. So and now you're an Opry member. Out. Now I'm a member, yeah. <laughs> 25 we, years. We yeah. can't, we can't uh, let this moment go by without uh, the first time you were immortalized in song was Jenny Dreams of Trains. And yeah. You have to play me a little bit of that. Jenny was a little girl She only dreamed of trains She never played with dolls Or lacy kinds of things Jenny counted boxcars Instead of counting sheep She could go anywhere When she went to sleep Jenny dreamed of trains when the night time came And nobody knew How she made it come true Jenny dreamed of trains And here's a neat little tidbit About the end of that song That nobody really knows At the end of that song I played Freight Train You know, right. when that was over I played Freight Train Because this was probably The first song she ever heard Well, yeah, Freight Train. Freight Train, Freight Train. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the very first things I ever learned to play when I was little. And so I put that on the end of Jenny Dreamed of Trains because it's one of the very first songs that she probably ever heard. This was written, me and Guy Clark wrote that for her when she was about three years old. The late and much lamented Guy Clark, one of the great, great artists he was. Best of the best. It's definitely the first song I remember performing. I was going to ask you that. What did you you think of it when you heard it? (laughs) Well, I loved it because I had this thing about trains and now there's a song about it and I just felt like the coolest kid in the world and Dad invited me to sing it. What was that show? Summer Lights. Summer Lights. And I wore this pretty red dress with all these... Ruffles everywhere, and, and it I was wasn't the mini so... pearl dress or the mini, uh, oh, mini, the, the mini mouse dress. Mini mouse dress, yes, yes it was. How old were you? Maybe five. <laughs> I booked that show, I was on the Summer Lights <laughs> Committee. <laughs> awesome, <laughs> thanks for having us. <laughs> you know, there's so many neat, um, you know, how life works in circles and all that. Um, that song wound up being one of the last things John Denver recorded, oh. really, yeah. That's a wild and thing. Let me see if I can get this straight. 
but the very first thing I ever remember recording of anything was me and my dad singing a John Denver song. Mm-hmm. I was playing guitar. You know, I was playing. It is a small world. And he sang almost heaven. He was singing along with John, and I was playing my little lead deals and all that. And I don't, I don't think I have a copy of that anymore. But well, I wish you did. I do too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really neat. Yeah. It was it, it, children of song. Almost all of them are growing up in the shadow. I mean, you have this incredibly famous parent. Um, it's it's not just parent; it's parents. Yeah, both it's of them actually. Really, everyone in actually, my life. Actually, three of them. There's stepmother too. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 dad. There's Amy. There's there's my mom and Aunt Christine. And um, he doesn't perform, but well, he does occasionally. But my husband Josh is. Um, uh, doing really well in the music publishing industry and um, lots of people in my life who are very, very, very successful. So did you try to shy away from that connection at first? I mean, it is a, it can be a burden, you know. It... Yeah, I, um, I've spent some time kind of um, trying to figure out what I was good at um, at something that wasn't music. Um, but n- nothing stuck. Mm-hmm. And so, so you literally ran from music. You didn't, you didn't really necessarily want to do this at first. I didn't take it. I didn't take it very seriously. I loved it, but there was just a part of me that never felt I was going to be good enough at it. So, so but did, <laughs> apart from Vince, were there artists that you looked at and went? You mentioned Cheryl Crow a minute ago. Were there other artists <sighs> that you went? That's who I want to pattern myself after or, or um a lot of my um musical memories i just i loved enjoying music with friends um dave matthews band was a really big deal when i was in mm-hmm. school and we went to their shows every year i mean if my friends were into something i'd i'd be into that 90s hip-hop i'm a, that was a magical time in music i'm just now that saying. i would not have predicted but i was i mean we were all I, I loved it. I love all kinds of things. I remember being on the road with Dad, and he just, out of nowhere, was sitting there on the bus, and he said, you know who's going to teach you how to sing? And I thought he was talking about some vocal coach back home or something. I was like, who? And he said, you need to start listening to Bonnie Raitt. And I said, oh, okay, sure, I'll do that. And uh went home and started listening to Bonnie Raitt, and I got it. I was like, oh, yes, I love this. Um, we have to hear you sing Bonnie Raitt. I, there's, uh, I've done a couple of covers of hers. Um, there's a record she put out, Silver Lining, that's one of my favorites. I got to meet her a couple of times. She's and just, a wonderful person. She is, but just the way she approaches um, her songs and her notes and the way she gets to them. She doesn't just, like, punch you in the face with these big loud, powerful, impressive vocals. I mean, she makes you feel something. Do, do a little Bonnie Raitt for me. Um, well, there's just, you know, her hits are, people are talking, talking about people. I hear the whisper. You won't believe it. They think we'll love us. Kept on the cover. Just the way she slides around notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that blues made thing. Me, yeah, it made me want to approach things differently and not try so hard to just relax. Mm. And um, it's really shaped the way I try to sing. Vince, this is not an easy... People think making music for a living is a bed of roses. It's not. Yeah, come try it. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, a lot <laughs> of traveling. <laughs> Did you try to steer her away and say, look... Oh, no. never. No? Not ever. You know, and it's funny because people would say that, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want her to have to do what you did. I said, what are you nuts? I've had the best life. I wouldn't trade my, I wouldn't trade my life with a living soul that's ever lived. And it just, it, it made, you know, the struggles were fun too. You know, you learn more when you struggle mm-hmm. than when you succeed. And, and the thing about, you know, and I always felt like I, I think Jenny. Um, didn't really realize that that so many of these doors were open for her if she just knew how to go knock on them a little bit. I wasn't going to be the one to shove her through the door. I wanted mm-hmm. her to figure out how to go find her own way. And and I feel for kids um, 
that are the children of people that have done well. Mm -hmm. Because there's a really unfair advantage because there's already a comparison in the works. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to say, oh, oh, are you as good as your dad? dad, Your mom Mm -hmm. or your this or that. And, and, oh, well, you got that because of who your parents are, you know, and it's like, you got you got three things against you right off before you ever open your mouth, you know, and that's to me that's unfair. Yeah. And you know, I I just I just wanted her to to find it on her own and and not be because of me, but in spite of me, maybe. Do you have the same songwriting process? Talk, tell me about your songwriting process first, and then we'll talk about Jenny is also writing. So, is there a connection there between the ways that you you develop your songs i don't know you know i think we've never tried to write together so we have no idea (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have go rest high was written obviously for an event in your real life you know when some songs come from real life you know well the best ones kind of do you know maybe um but um you know i just trying to you know what i what i've what i've learned you know and and it's this is always hard for a young person to understand this is patience Mm. You know, and restraint, and and willing to edit yourself. You know, I think when you're young, you think everything you think of is a great idea, and just <laughs> unfortunately, it's not. You know, and so if you're willing to wait, you know, I've got songs that that finally found their their way twenty years later. Uh, Jenny dreamed of trains was not recorded for about fifteen years until after it was written. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and and so the right place with the right song, all that is 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 part of it and and I'm not afraid to rewrite an old song you know there's a nice idea and and how would you how would you how would you make it better and give me an example of that a song that had that went through a retooling process uh, look at us really yeah look at us was a negative song it was about a couple that was going to break up oh and I went it to turned see into this love song yeah. yeah well I went to see Max D Barnes we were going to write some songs together, and he asked me if I had any ideas. And I said, I have this. And let's look at us. After all these years, we're not going to make it. And da 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 da. And I finished what I had. And he said, Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I said, This has to be positive. I went, Really? He goes, Oh, yes, absolutely. And he made me flip it. This, this couple has to stay together. And I said, Okay. And once again, you know, there there's great wisdom in sometimes in collaborating. Do a little bit of that. Oh gosh. The old way. <laughs> Look at us. After all these years together. Look at us. After all that we've been through. Look at us Still leaning on each other And if you want to see How true love should be Then just look at us And it has a happy ending It sure does (laughs) I'm Robert K. Orman, and you're listening to Children of Song, and we're talking today with Vince Gill and his talented daughter, Jenny Gill. Jenny, you actually learned, I believe, a, a lot from your stepmother as well. Did you, you went on the road with Amy Grant, right? I did. Tell she, me about that. She hired me back in, I think it was uh, 2010, somewhere in there, and the gal who's been singing with her uh, for a long time um, was about to have her first baby, mm-hmm. and so... I thought I was going to be a sub for Kim and maybe work on the road with Amy and the band for a few months. And um, when Kim was ready to come back to work, they just kept calling me to come back on the road, and I kept saying yes. And so seven years later, I've I got to um, I've had the opportunity to actually work on the road as a singer, and I it's uh, it's. I think it's night and day um, where I started before I got that gig and where I am now as a singer, as a performer, just my confidence level. Um, I'll just, I'll always be grateful for that work that she gave me. What kind of lessons would you you say that you took from from her? 
I mean, to me, when I grow up, I want to be Amy Grant. I mean, she's like the most gracious person ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's pretty awesome in every way. Um, I tried to make her into this evil person when her and dad got together, and that did not last very long. I mean, she won me over pretty quick. That's so genuine, too. I was like, wow, that is amazing. It was odd. I was such a fan of hers when I was a kid, and now she's supposed to be my family, and this is all happening so fast. It was just a very odd time, and we've become really, really close friends. And watching Amy as a performer, it's there's a lot of similarities that she has with Dad. Um, they just stand there, and they invite every single person in that audience in right. to their lives. There's no fireworks. There's none of that flying trapeze stuff. They are who they are and they just stand there and sing and they tell stories and you feel like you're sitting in the living room like we are right now Mm. and um it's so great to watch and her band that she has with her I learned so much from them once I got on the road and learning all these new songs and they're throwing all these parts at me it was like all right Jenny you gotta step up be a professional (laughs) you know I, I learned how to um really do my homework and show up and, you know, we can't sit there and practice because I can't hear my part over and over again. I mean, you got to you gotta know what you're doing because they're paying you. <laughs> well, it also didn't matter that you were Vince Gill's daughter anymore because now you were expected. It didn't matter who you were. You better perform or we're going to have to send you back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it was cool to not to not be in the spotlight and to experience being in a band and um, having an important part in a band. Um, I like the not, um, I, I liked not having the spotlight and being a part of the group. It's like, it's like me as a child. Like, I just love to be, I just want to be on the team, guys. Right. And um, I just, I love being a part of something. I can totally relate. You're I, right. I never wanted to be Elvis. I wanted to be a Jordanaire. I mean, I was like. <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel comfortable like delegating and like you're going to do this and, you know, being the leader of the group. Sometimes I just like to follow. The Did leader. you teach her harmonies? Did you have to coach her about. I mean, harmony singing is a real art, you know. Harmony singing, I don't know if it's how teachable it is. I think um, being in choir in school mm-hmm. um, helped a lot with my ear, and I always hear the part above. I mean, when you're going to start learning harmony, that's the part that I would go to. I got sick of doing that. And now, in my car, I'm always trying to find a harmony part underneath the melody, which Dad, which, in case you guys don't know, is the master of finding the most beautiful harmony parts. That's why everybody in town calls him to sing on their records, because he just finds not just the obvious part, but the best complementary harmony parts to to what you're doing. And really, it's listening to what he's already done that I learn the most from, not us sitting in a room together and him. Right. Let me hear you two together. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that that relationship harmony thing. What are you playing? Too low for look for loving, look we're loving you. Look where loving you landed me, laying beside you underneath this old tree. Got us some blue sky sipping on my ties. Let's take them on a stroll down the beach. I was a blue. in circles with my head in the clouds Then I found you and I I couldn't wait to get my feet on the ground He's such a crybaby He is <laughs> That's why we I'm love him tune. My guitar's out too That's why I'm emotional <laughs> I'm going to tell you something straight up That's one of my favorite parts I've ever done Harmony parts. I have a handful that mean the world. That's one of them. Yeah. He's on all those Conway Twitty hits. He's on all kinds of records you don't even know. But he's just... Well, And we love it that his emotions are close to the surface. Yeah, I love that. Is that because you you feel for her, too, when you sing that with her, or is... Well, I'm proud of it, you know? When you get to um, make a contribution to the process that matters, then that's... That's to me that's the best thing of all. I 
I think singing lead is easy. When everybody has to follow you, you do whatever you want. But when I have to do what she does, and I have to do what Faith Hill does, or I have to do whoever I'm singing with, I have to do what they did. And that's a much harder job to blend, to match, to phrase, and and find notes that are complementary. And and you just do stuff that, you know, that is fun, you know. And the thing I sang with Faith is one of my favorite things. Um, can't remember the name of the song now, but... Uh, and the Kelly Clarkson thing I got to do recently was a blast. And Timber with Patty, you know, Timber, just, is, a great, Timber yeah. is a great performance. Yeah, but it's you know when you That's get with to Patty Loveless, yeah, you, know. you know everybody, you know it's funny because everybody looks at the background with with kind of this dismissive kind of mindset, and it's so far from it's so inaccurate. You know, it, nine times out of ten, the majority of those people in the background can smoke the guy up front. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, and it's just, uh, it's like she said, it's, it's, uh, music to me is, is, is the best place I've ever seen democracy. Not in our country and our politics or any of that, but when you see, when you see a room full of musicians all gather together for the common good of a song, that's something pretty, pretty special i have tried to sing along with you on timber i'm falling in love by a little too high for it's not too high it's just (laughs) keeping up with you breath wise is impossible it's like where did he find the time to breathe in there (laughs) so you've stepped out with your ep yeah. Uh, tell me about Finally. the house sessions. It was done here, right? Yeah, we recorded it here. We're in we're in Vince's home studio. We're in the home studio. They named it the house, thus the house sessions. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a Christmas gift, um, studio time. I when he was finishing up this studio, I kind of said, "Hey, do you think when nobody's around, like the middle of the night, I could come in here with a guitar player and just play around and make some demos? He's like, yeah, sure. And then that Christmas, he said, let's just do a full-on session. And mm. it was so much fun. Um, well, actually, I, sh- I take that back. It was actually terrifying to actually reveal the material that I had written. I we hadn't know, heard the songs before? I didn't know if they were going to be any good or not. And so that was kind of cool to see his reaction to my songwriting. And we cut about 11 things, and we kept six. And I'm so proud of this record. It took a while. I decided to have a baby in the middle of the process just to make it all interesting. But I heard um, you on the Opry uh, earlier this month. It was two weeks ago, was it? Man, that was, was so, so much fun. Yeah, uh, I think the 11th of mm-hmm. February we did that, and... It's if had I not been there before many times with dad just tagging along, I don't think I would have made it through that night. That was your first time in the spotlight, though, right? It was my first time to perform original material on that stage, and that was pretty special. I love that whiskey song that you did. <gasps> that was my favorite you. thing I heard that whole night. You know, Whiskey Words um, is one of the first songs I finished, and I was working at a publishing company, not as a songwriter, I was working for the songwriters. And Dad had given me an opportunity to sing on the road with him. So I basically quit my job and started working on the road with him. And then one of the writers at that company called me and said, hey, you want to get together and try to write a song? I'm like, "I sure. I've never really done that with anybody before, but let's give it a whirl. <laughs> she, had this, she, had this song, she had this title, Whiskey Talk. I was at this bar last night, and this girl kept talking about Whiskey Talk. And I just think that's so cool. Who was the writer? Her name's Andy Zach. Okay. So you can, um, she's actually on Kelly Pickler's uh, reality show on CMT right okay. now. And she's, um, she's a lovely person. She's so much fun. And um, one of the first people to see me as a writer, a songwriter. And um, I said, instead of whiskey talk, can we, can we maybe try uh, whiskey words? And she said, yeah. And there we were, right? And we wrote it. Let's do it. Let's do a little bit of, of whiskey words. Okay, G. Yeah. I've been missing you. That's a dog. Haven't seen you for a while. No, there's nobody new. That's just not my style. Just a little more time. 
I'll be fine No, I don't need a drink I'm just on my way home It's best for me, I think If you don't stand this close Cause I almost believe Your whispers sound so sweet They're just whiskey words That I've already heard That's just whiskey talk That staggers like your walk You don't care about the hurt Or how badly it'll burn It's okay Drink your whiskey such a cool song nice. to be a beginner that's that's not a beginner song <laughs> no sir i um i didn't i think the key was i wasn't trying to do anything specific i just was uh, speaking com- in a conversational way and it just and it just worked and my co-writer um of course was was helping me along the way and um she really gave me the the kind of nudge to go you can do this. Just keep going. So what do you think of all this this emergence here? I'm proud. You know, I'm proud. And, and, and proudest thing that is she's doing it because of her and not because of me. And I'm not pushing her. And, I, you know, I never did. Even as a kid, I didn't just try to shove music down her throat. I said, you either love it or you won't. And, and when you want my help, I'll, I'll give it to you. But I'm not going to I'm not going to try to, you know, be that overbearing parent that. You know, that you see, whether it's, a, you know, a kid with tennis or a kid with golf or mm-hmm. whatever. It's just nonstop all they do. And Well, in addition great. to being a member of the Country Music Hall of Fame, you're a member of the National Songwriters Hall of Fame. And so as a songwriter. Got any tips? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you, are, her craftsmanship is obviously there. I mean, yeah, and it's, what's beautiful, what's amazing is it's there early. It took me 15 or 20 years to write some good songs, I think. And with her, she's got a great, she's got a great knack for it. You know, she, she tells a nice story lyrically. It's interesting and and melodically, it's interesting. She's got a lot of things going for her. There's a lot of great songwriters that aren't very melodic, mm-hmm. and, and some that are very melodic but aren't very very good with words and what have you. But um, for me, just getting to be a part of it was. You know, once again, that she asked for my help was what meant the most. And so in in the process of making a record with your kid, you got to be really careful every time you open your mouth, you know, because it's family and it's deep. And, it, and you got to, you know, you got to wear two pairs of kid gloves, you know. And, and there were a lot of times where, where Jenny was singing and I, and I knew it wasn't quite how she would like it to be, but she hadn't done much of this so she had to kind of figure it out on her own so she'd over sing and sing too many notes and push too hard and try to be the you know the soul singer of all soul singers and i just bring her in and said okay come and come and check some of this out and just to listen she goes oh ugh, you know? <laughs> and away we went and and it was a great way to teach without being overbearing, without being "I told you so" or any of that kind of stuff. Well, and too, figures I it think out on her, her, own. And her music is not like yours. I mean, no, it, it shouldn't be. It, it's not. You know, you're, you're not a country country artist. You're, I'm not an obvious country thing, no. so I don't know what Nashville's gonna um, how Nashville's gonna react to this record. And it may be a, maybe a good thing. I, what I love the most about the response of the house sessions is everybody says. Um, they have a different favorite song. Mm-hmm. So like everything is speaking to somebody. There's not one song that everyone keeps repeating to me. It's not one obvious great song. Um, it's uh, all the songs um, are connecting. There's almost a jazzy tinge to uh, Lonely Lost Me. Yeah, it's there like is. A, it's a very sort of out there melody kind of sing a little bit of that to give us a flavor of the, the oh. non-country-ishness of this. My son loves this song. Um is this in, is that in, I don't know what key it, it's in. Like, like a shadow that wouldn't even leave in the shade. He's the uninvited guest who's the last one to stay. And somehow every time I tried to run and hide, it was no use. 
weeks But lonely lost me, baby, when I found you I made a music video to that My son is the leading man Aww. <laughs> No, it's so cute, I've seen that But he, um, I chose him because that's his favorite song He says, mama music, mama music And that's the one he wants to hear that's over very and interesting. over again yeah. it's, How old is he? He's two and a half. He's just the greatest thing in, on the planet Earth. Of course he is. <laughs> he really was the um, the inspiration for that final push to get the music out in to the public. We'd had these songs recorded. They were all mixed and ready to go, and I kind of just sat there and was a little scared to go for it. Mm-hmm. And then once I... Um, had him and really survived that first year with him as a full-time stay-at-home mom, I kind of went, oh, <laughs> I can do anything. And so <laughs> I put it up online, and and um, the response has been really great. So I'm not as freaked out anymore, and I'm just... It's a good record. I like it. Thank you so much. Dad put so much work and so much love into it, and this is not your typical debut uh, project. It sounds... It sounds so good. It's a really nice little record. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. It's really a, it's it's a you know every now and then you can tell when a song really strikes a chord with people, right? And and, and a lot of people don't realize when you're making a record, you might have ten songs on your record, but you might have written fifty or sixty songs to get that ten, and or maybe more or maybe less. But you know you the more you do it, you know you you know when to put down the pencil and say this isn't any good. Don't don't keep beating this horse, you know, this ain't working. So, um, give, give the listeners a little taste of when Miami prays. Oh gosh, I have to sing so stinking high. It is high. <laughs> I ain't going to be able to do that. Let's see it if is I can morning. do it in this key. <laughs> um, All my life I've known Jesus But that connection never came When my heart was torn to pieces I still couldn't call his name But when Miami prays When Miami prays That's when I see his face such a cool song. Mm, yeah. Really pretty. And so perfect for for Amy Grant. It's just, well, yeah. it, it is Amy Grant. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I, I married Amy and everybody expects me to know every Christian singer that ever lived. And I don't know any of them. <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up in that world. I didn't grow up in church and, and I lived in, I lived a rough life and honky tonks and beer joints and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't for me. So that's kind of a, that song's pretty. It's pretty honest and it's pretty vulnerable. Yeah, and from you my were, place, you were yeah. visited by an angel for sure. Yep. We need to hear go out with something that you two can do together. Yeah, I think we ought to sing. You, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Make me happy. You cry, baby, too. <laughs> you will never know, dear. How much I love you Please don't take my sunshine away Mini Pearl The best, the absolute best Vince Gill and Jenny Gill folks on Children of Song You won't find two better people or better singers on this planet Thank you, Bobby. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you guys. Thank Thanks. you so much. Before we let you go, we want to share one last story. It's a bonus track we're calling The B-Side, Stories from the Road. Just as we were packing up our stuff, Vince shared something funny and emotional all at the same time. It's something he had done throughout the interview, and a quality he's starting to come to terms with. Here's Vince Gill talking about playing a club on Long Island shortly after 9-11. The goofiest thing that ever happened to you on the road? The goofiest thing? Or the best. Or the worst. Or the worst. Yeah, the worst. <laughs> well, I had a pigeon crap on me one night. That's pretty about 10,000 people, an outdoor show. That was hysterical. <laughs> I've had it all happen, you know? It, it, it's, uh, 
I've had hecklers that I've just buried. You know, that's always been fun. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. You actually got into fisticuffs? Well, maybe. Um, maybe once or twice in the early days. <laughs> but words can sometimes do a lot more a lot more good. than He's pretty quick. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll tell you this story. And it's a little blue. Is it okay if it's blue? Fine. Okay. I'm playing in New York City, uh, just outside of Long Island. And I had just shaved my head because a kid had cancer and was all uptight about her hair. And I said, and I said, man, this hair's nothing. So I went and shaved my head. And I said, see, I had a big old head of hair. Now I ain't got no hair. It ain't no big deal. It'll grow back. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I'm playing in New York City right after 9-11. And I sing Go Rest High for uh, a fellow that didn't make it. you know. And they brought me a, um, his shirt. And so... I seen Go Rest High for this guy. The whole place just completely comes unglued, you know. Applause for five minutes, you know, not exaggerating. And it just standing and everybody's like in this beautiful moment. And it all finally uh, it all finally came down to, to quiet again. And this guy in the crowd says, hey, nice haircut. Did you get a free balloon with that? Right after this moment of, Complete magic, you know, and without missing a beat, right after he quit, I said, yeah, I did. I said, I've got it wedged between the cheeks of my ass. Why don't you hop up here and blow it up for me? (laughs) (laughs) And then I got an even bigger ovation for slamming him than I did singing the song. So, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm awful in that I'm not afraid to just rip you right back. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to try that, go ahead, but. One time I was complimenting Vince about how close to the close to the surface his tears were, and he said, "Unfortunately, all of my emotions are yes. close to the surface." <laughs> Anger, <correct>. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something about Amy that was that was life changing, and probably the first person to ever do this in my life. Everybody always looked down their nose at me when I get pissed off about something, and uh, we were playing golf together one time, and back in the early days when we kind of. Just trying to figure out how to have a friendship and all this stuff and be in the, the way we were. And, and uh, we're playing golf, and I get mad about something, and I break a club. I took the head, and I just snapped it off in the bag, and she <laughs> looked at me with these big eyes. I go, oh, sorry about that. I get a little worked up when I play golf. She goes, you know what? She goes, that doesn't surprise me. I said, excuse me? She goes, no, nah, that doesn't surprise me at all. She says, you know, I'm crazy about you, and I watch everything you do, and she said, I see you when somebody, something's funny. Nobody laughs harder than you. You laugh from the tips of your toes. And and I've seen you cry in front of the whole world. Something's emotional. And she said, now you've hit a bad shot and you're pissed off. She goes, you can't control any of your emotions. I don't know how you ever on earth would think you could be able to control one. And it's the first person that ever said something kind and constructive about it. it that powerful. is constructive, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Thank you guys so much. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.